0: time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the fact that we get to be your sons and daughters, your disciples, your children, the redeemed, the saints here, today, now, that it's not an old idea in an old book that is not relevant to us, but instead, Holy Spirit is working today, that we are a part of a Jesus movement today, that we get to be a part of what you're doing today. We get to be your hands and feet to a broken world. We get to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a holy life now, the thrill of following Jesus is alive and well in the hearts of saints in 2011. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, help us to grow in our understanding as a family in the idea of healing. I ask, Lord Jesus, that there would be stories coming out of DSM of supernatural miracles. We ask, Lord, for a greater degree of people being healed. I ask, Lord, that as students come from all over the nation... Uh, that DSM would lay their hands on the sick of their peers and their friends from all over the country and that they would be healed. That this would not be a, a moment that sh- that's a hype fest for Jesus, but this would be a power encounter where there are praying, living, holy, missional saints at the core that just happen to be 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, God. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. And everybody said Amen. Amen. Number of years ago, I uh, led a missions trip to the Philippines, and um, it was. And I, I, back in those days, I had the the haircut where you part it down the middle, and then it kind of comes down like this. You know that haircut? It went behind my ears, and uh, it was so long that I could actually, you know, I, I mean, it was. It it, it came like. Like, I couldn't reach the back of it because it was so long. It was like, it was between, I couldn't reach with this hand or this hand. It was somewhere between there. It was so long. And so I had long hair back then. And... Um, So I I, I led this mission trip to the Philippines. We arrived in the Philippines and uh, I was a little bit in shock because they told us that they were going, that the way that this mission trip was going to work was that we were going to actually divide up two by two and uh, so the missions organization set it up and we went, it was a group from all over the country. It was uh, was college students that met up. We didn't even know each other when we arrived so we were all strangers. We didn't know anybody. Uh, We had one day of training in Southern California and then we flew to the Philippines and, and so our one day of training was basically... Read your Bible and pray, and most of us knew that anyway. Um, so we got there, we didn't know the language, and we were scared to death. And I uh, got placed with uh, uh, my, my my friend, my the dude that was like going to go with me um, was from uh, the, the he was from Sacramento, and so we became a team. And the the scary part was was that they said, "Here's what we're going to do." We're going to take you to uh, different villages in the Philippines, and we're going to drop you off, and then you're going to stay with a pastor, and then we'll come back and pick you up in two weeks. <laughs> and at first, I thought they were kidding. I was like, seriously? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you're going to leave me? Like, just leave me? I'm like, that's it. Like, you're just there. So... Um, so anyway, so we arrived uh, in the Philippines. They dropped us off. Uh, we, me, and this guy, the the pastor, had a one bedroom house, and he had three children, um, all teenagers. And so there wasn't enough space for us to stay in the house. So he told us that we were going to stay at the church, which didn't have running water or anything like that. And so it was it was it was a crazy couple of weeks. Me and a dude sleeping at a church. It was nuts. In the middle of the Philippines, when we didn't know the language, and. Um, and so we had a great time, like we did. Like uh, we did. I, I preached a lot. Went and preached in different churches, and just every day, I was at that. At that point, I was preaching like a different, like three times a day, in different places. And, and and one. And one of the things that started to take place was that uh, the the pastors started to use, "Hey, Americans are here" as leverage to get people from the village to come. And so they would send out the word, you know, and tell people to go tell people that Americans are coming to church tomorrow. And so me and the other guy would come and we would, and and there'd be a crowd of people and we'd uh, preach the gospel and people get saved. And it was awesome. And and then, and then one of the pastors, I know this is going to date me a little bit, but one of the pastors looked at me and he said, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And, um, and we kind of joked around about it and, and, and then, and so, cause I had that exact Titanic hairstyle, you know, and so, and so, and so they were, uh, I know most of you don't even know what that is, but it was like from the dark, I'm just kidding, from the dark ages, but long old movie. But anyway, so, and so uh, that movie was actually relatively new back then. But anyway, <laughs> Stephen's laughing. But anyway, so, um, so, so that pastor then like made the joke, everybody laughed, but then it stuck. And so then, then the people from this village told the next village that, that Leonardo DiCaprio is the preacher. And so, and so before too long, I was signing signatures as Leonardo DiCaprio. And, uh, and so um, I told the pastor, I said, I'm not Leonardo. And he goes, I know, but they come if they think it's Leonardo. And I said, yeah, but it's kind of like breaking one of the commandments, you know, to get people here to t- tell them about Jesus. Like maybe He was like, no, 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 it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And, and, so, and so before I knew it, it was Leonardo DiCaprio and, and a college kid, my friend. My new friend from Sacramento, and so we would go village to village, and um, and then they would make the joke about Leonardo's about to preach, and it was anyway. So that was kind of how it went, and so we went to all these different villages, and one night specifically was a powerful night for me because most of the time we would uh, preach and then and and then do a salvation uh, call, and people in the villages would get saved. And I mean, we were in a rural rural area, so these people were far from. Um, modern conveniences that we have, and so, uh, but one night specifically, uh, the pastor that we went and visited his church, uh, so, so, that you're, so that you understand, so we stayed with one pastor, but then he would take us to smaller villages with other pastors, and they were never, they were always bivocational, they always were pastors that did something else as their primary occupation, and then they had a little church that would meet on Sundays, it was never their occupation, it was just, you know, one, in addition to their job, they were a, a pastor, and uh, this pastor was like in tears, and he just began to tell me about all the the people in his in his church that were sick, and um, and so, and so I uh, I just remember the the weightiness as we came, and um, and I didn't I, I I didn't do the normal salvation call that night. Um, we just had a time of praying for healing, and uh, so so. It was one of those moments, you know, where you have an interpreter. So you're preaching and then, you know, interpret, preach, interpret. It takes a long time to get through a sermon. So you preach rather short. And um, Tyrell would take like days. But uh, just kidding, Ty. All right, so anyway. And uh, and at the end, we began to just pray um, for for people that were sick. And, and I remember this lady who, who came in with just pain just massive massive pain in her neck and uh she had this large thing sticking out of her neck and um and he the pastor asked if i would pray for her He told me about that she she would speak to him and told him about her pain and the ongoing pain for years and um and we prayed for multiple things and that night and uh there was immediate responses of people being healed that night, but this woman specifically uh, came in and she just she couldn't speak English. She spoke I think the name of the language is Tagalog, and uh, and then as I prayed for her, she just she began to um, it was like her countenance brightened, and uh, and and then uh, we we went back into worship and not worship like we worship with lights and stuff. You got to imagine dirt floors and. Um, just singing songs with one lady with a tambourine. And uh, began to sing songs in her countenance, just... and then she began to sing. And the pastor came, and he began to tell me about how she says that the pain is absolutely gone, that the pain that she's had for years is, is completely gone, and it's been a throbbing, ongoing pain uh, for years and years. And I remember that night, just broken, um, and trying to wrestle with uh, what I believed to be true as a as a Christian kid, um, as, a, as a as a as a Bible college student about Jesus, and then the weightiness of getting on an airplane and, and 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 praying for someone who was totally totally in pain and hurting and didn't really have access to even leave her village, or and and then and then God healing her through. Me, You know, and I just remember wrestling like it wasn't philosophical, like it wasn't, let me wrestle with this with my friends about what I believe. It was not, um, it was not theoretical, let's discuss this. It was not, um, it was not kind of a pessimistic, uh, well, was she really healed kind of thing. It was a moment of just weightiness where in my experience, Jesus had told his disciples to go out into the world. And he told them that they would do miracles. And then they, disciples, the disciples, you know, led, started churches, did miracles. And then for, for the last couple thousand years we have in church history that that has spread all over the globe. And I remember as a young man uh, connecting with the reality that God could use me. And it was kind of scary. It was kind of weighty. It was like, this isn't um, an argument that I'm having with my friends around a eight foot long table back at college. This is this woman's life being changed. This, This is God working. And I don't know why, God, you would use people instead of just this woman just kind of getting zapped from heaven. I don't know... I don't know why you do it the way that you do it, but for some reason, you transform people's lives and then you tell them to go be agents of change with the good news of the gospel and the Holy Spirit fills them. As Stephen talked about, we become friends with the Holy Spirit and then we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was a powerful moment for me uh, in some village somewhere in, in, in the Philippines to experience that God wanted wanted to use me, and today you know as we, as we, as we live in a culture where um, sometimes we 're hesitant to pray for healing, and um, most of that has to do with our social status, most of that has to do with what will you think of me if I ask if I can pray for you and I pray for healing, and what if you 're not healed, and what does it say about me if I pray for you and you 're not healed and will you think that i 'm strange if, if I pray for you and, and you 're not healed and we kind of wrestle with our own identity and our own insecurities when it comes to actually being aggressive about healing, because you know we live in a culture where uh, we have medication and doctors, and so um, oftentimes that's a rebuttal that says, "Hey, just go to the doctor, and and maybe God will will use will, will use the doctor to heal you." and and I'm, I'm an advocate of that. I, I do believe that, that, there's, that God uses, you know, basic uh, medicine that will heal our bodies. But that, but that shouldn't become something that causes us to backpedal from being the disciples that Jesus called us to be and to ask for miracles. And a lot of times as we go overseas and we're in an environment where the people are desperate... And they actually have great faith because all that they have is a move of God. They don't have a hospital at Powers and Woodman or a a hospital, you know, just down the street. They're just, they just either, either God touches them or they live with an ongoing pain for the rest of their life. And, And you and I, we like to kind of check the box of what we think as our final position based upon something other than an authentic Holy Spirit Walking with you, what do you want to do and how do you want to use me? We want to find another way to discredit it or to discount it so that we don't have to be fully obedient. But the reality is is that the Holy Spirit wants to use us today, even in the most wealthy nation in the world, to lay our hands on the sick and to see them healed. And that's hard to do in America and I know that there's kickback on that. But the truth is is that even today, God uses you you to be an agent of change and a vessel of truth and to bring the healing power of the Holy Spirit to people now. And God uses your prayers now. So over in the furnace prayer room when we have uh, someone write, my mom has cancer on the healing wall and then we pray and she's healed and it's crossed off, healed. Those are moments where we celebrate and we go, God uses us today to pray for sick people and to see them healed. And one of the things that we like to do sometimes is we like to say, well, let, let's let that be, you know, someone else's calling or someone else's gifting. And we use that um, because really it's fear inside of us. Um, we, don't, we don't have in the Bible, Jesus telling certain disciples to go out and heal the sick. He tells them to go out, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. And so it's, we don't get to the, the selection process. Um, we, as filled with the Holy Spirit, communing with the Holy Spirit, wanting the power of God, we go out and we attempt to be the, be the light of Jesus. And, and there are moments where that looks like holiness, and there are moments where that looks like worship, and there are moments where that looks like just be, serving the poor. There's moments where it looks like giving. There's moments where it looks like lots of things. But one of the things is healing. In fact, if we just look at Jesus... Jesus told his disciples to go out and that told them that they would do the things that he had been doing. In fact, yea, greater things. And Jesus says that, you know, in the Gospel of John. He says, you're going to do even greater things as he talks to his disciples. And, 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 and if you look at what the church has done, even throughout the last couple thousand years, there's, been, there's, there's, there's miracles, there's God moving, but it takes, a, it takes people that walk in. In authentic faith and an authentic trust that the Holy Spirit can use them to go out and to actually do it. I was talking to a pastor that his church is uh, in California and it's been uh, God has used his church to bring lots and lots of supernatural miracles and and, and healing. And God has used his church to then start other churches. And one of the tangible things about this church is that there's a lot of healing. And and the pastor was asked how, what's unique about your church, that that this is on your church? And that's kind of weird language, but that God is doing this through your church. And his answer was, simply like little children, we kind of take the risk, lay our hands on people, and ask. Whereas many churches are just too shy, ashamed, embarrassed, lazy, tired, annoyed, arrogant, to just ask. And he said, it's actually just like a childlike faith that we're gonna just, you know, take our hands, you know, out of our pockets and just try and just ask. And so I don't know where you are and I don't know when you hear about healing, what goes off inside of you and what kind of things take place, but one of the things that as DSM family we're committed to is that we would lay our hands on the sick that we would lay our hands on those who are hurting and that the Holy Spirit would heal them through willing agents, willing vessels, willing people. And I want you to imagine what takes place in your heart when as a high school student, you're 16 or you're 17 or you're 18 or you're 19 and God starts to use you to do miracles. I, I I know I remember as a uh, as a teenager my senior year when 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 a kid was healed in one of our prayer meetings at my house and I remember my sense of faith rose and that moment the night in the hut in the Philippines my faith rose when I just wow and, the, and yes it it was a part of my experience it was went beyond reason it was a moment where I could not deny. That something took place in that person, and though I am not that person and I can't give testimony for them, when they give the 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 eyewitness testimony of my ankle was uh, I couldn't walk on it and it was sprained and swollen and came in on crutches and now I walk out with everything with it healed and feeling okay and able to play basketball that night. That's a miracle. And when a lady says I have. That there's, that, there's, that there's pain and that she tells the pastor that she can hardly, hardly talk because of the level of pain and then to worship and sing because God had healed her, it connected with it. Okay, God, you're working today. We find it all through the scriptures. In Genesis 20, God heals Ab- Abimelech through Abraham. In Exodus 15, God says of himself, I am the Lord who heals you. In Numbers 12... Moses prayed for the healing of his sister, Miriam, and she's healed. In 1 Kings Kings 17, Elijah prays for a little boy who's dead, and he comes back to life. In 2 Kings 4, Elisha, the disciple of Elijah, raises a boy from the dead. In 2 Kings 5, God heals a man that has leprosy, which uh, in that day, leprosy was a skin-eating disease, and it was... It was painful and, and miserable, and they would slowly deteriorate. God heals. So God heals in the Old Testament. Then when we get to the Gospels, so uh, the way that the Scriptures work is that if you open your Bible, you have an Old Testament, you have a New Testament, and then at the end of Malachi, you skip about 600 years, and then you have the story of uh, the Israelites who are actually have the, 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 the Romans are um, have taken them captive and... God's people are in kind of that captivity again. You know, that's, of course, the story of they're in captivity in Exodus uh, in in Egypt. So now the Romans have invaded and, 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 and they have taken over. And then we find the story of Jesus kind of coming out in that time era. And Jesus lives 30 years perfectly. He grows in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And then, And then when he starts to do his ministry, it's interesting when you start to look at Jesus' ministry because... Jesus' ministry is absolutely filled with stories of healings. And I find it so interesting that the gospel writers, when they're looking at what they want to communicate to us, they write so much about Jesus healing people. In fact, 20%, 19.2% of all the actual words we have in the gospels about Jesus are him healing people. We're having him healing an unclean spirit, uh, we have him healing a fever, we have him healing leprosy. We have him looking at the centurion servant being healed. We have a paralyzed man being healed. We have a blind man being healed. We have a man with a mental disability being healed. We have a man with a deformed hand being healed. We have Jesus restoring a young man who is dead and coming back to life. We have Jesus casting out demons we have a in Luke 8, you know the story of the girl who has died, Jairus' daughter, and Jesus goes and he, he look, gets down on his hands and knees and he looks at her and says, Arise, little girl, and she comes back to life. I mean, we have the story of the bleeding woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. We have blind man, we have blind Bartimaeus, we have another girl that's healed, we have the deaf that are healed. Then there's a the story of another blind man, which we, we kind of disconnect from that because in our day, um, different than that culture, in today's culture, we really do a good job of taking care of the blind or the mentally handicapped or, or the uh, you know, people that, uh, are, that are lame will need wheelchairs and we have wheelchairs and we have wheelchair ramps, and, and we, but it's, it was different back then. If you had those things back then, you were immediately a beggar for all your days, so their whole sense of, they were, they were the poorest parts of society. Jesus heals a man uh, with, with dropsy, with leprosy. He heals, heals an ear after Peter cuts it off. <laughs> That's just funny to me. It's like, I'm helping all these people and you're messing up the very thing I'm doing, Pete. You know, whoosh. My brother always makes fun of me because every time I tell that story, I always pick up the ear off the ground and then I always go like that. And you're always, my brother's like, why is Jesus always like four foot four when you do that? Like, why is someone's ear like, and I'm like, that's just how I think. I just picture a big, huge Roman centurion, you know, and maybe it's just because I've been five, five my whole life. It's like, surely I'm scared of you. You know, and Anyway. But we can just read through the Gospels and we find over and over and over and over and over and over over again we find these stories of Jesus healing. Jesus healing people. And so then the Gospels conclude and at the conclusion of the Gospels then Jesus says to his disciples, okay, now I want you guys to go out and I want you to do what I do. Right? So if you're Peter, you're like, I'm supposed to heal people's ears. (laughs) That's what I do now. (laughs) I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what Jesus did. So... When we read through the book of Acts, and that's the story of the early church, and we just start reading through Acts, you know, we have Peter then doing what Jesus did, and so Jesus healed lame men, and and you can imagine Peter's confidence, Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2, big revival breaks out, Acts 3 starts with them walking at the time of prayer um, to the temple. And boom, there's a crippled man, and Jesus and, and, and then Peter does what he's seen Jesus do over and over again. Where Jesus heals lame men, now I, I I'm called to be the healer like Jesus was the healer. It's still it's but now it's the Holy Spirit alive inside of me. And so whereas whereas in the past I watched the Holy Spirit alive inside of Jesus and Jesus healing, and now now I'm going to heal. And so the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus in Matthew 3, 17. and then And then Jesus is fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is God. And, and, and then Jesus breathes on us in John 20 and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1, he tells us that the Holy Spirit's going to fall on us and that we're going to actually go be his witnesses and do what he did. And then Acts 2, the Holy Spirit does come on the early church. And now Acts 3 comes. And what we find is the disciples doing what Jesus did. Straight up, Jesus heals lame men? All right, let's look at the lame man. In Acts 3, Peter heals a crippled man. In Acts 5, Peter's healing people. Acts 9, Peter heals a paralyzed man. Now, what's interesting is that we find, um, you know, we find Peter and John doing that together, and we find the disciples going out and doing this, but even beyond that, it wasn't just the disciples. We actually have stories of, So they led people to Christ. In other words, we're not talking about just the 12, but then people that came to Jesus post through the disciples. They begin to heal. And so you have stories of Stephen in Acts 6 where he's performing miracles. Now, Stephen wasn't one of the 12. So Stephen becomes a Christ follower after Jesus has uh, risen from the dead and then ascended into heaven. So, you, so that's kind of like where we're at. Like sometimes when we think about this, we think, well, maybe there's something unique about the disciples. But the truth is, is that even the, the believers post the dis- disciples, they not only preach the gospel, but they did miracles. Ananias is the famous guy who Paul, Saul comes in blind. Ananias prays for him. Fish scales fall off. And the blind man becomes Paul. And God uses this man who wasn't one of the disciples, just a believer. And so as you and I then, and we don't have time tonight, but as we look throughout church history over the last couple thousand years, what age do we live in? Well, we live in the church age where where we are in a sense, disciples made the disciples that made disciples, 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 that brought us to where we are today in 2011. And we are still the disciples going out and doing what Jesus told his disciples to do. And so our context is a little different. We're not in Israel. We don't wear robes. Um, You know, we don't have beards. Well, I don't. And most of the girls don't. And Stefan doesn't. We're, we're We're not Jewish. But we are the disciples of Jesus. And are a part of our calling, a part of our opportunity, is that we get to go out and actually pray for hurting people, the blind, the sick, the lame. And, 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 and sometimes we think it's got to be super dramatic. I know my faith is built even when we're praying for anything. Any, anything. Even the smallest things. Even if we're praying for Headaches. And then, and some people say, well, now I want to be a cynic. And I want to say that unless we see the big things, I'm not going to believe the small things. To which I want to say, that's a lack of faith. To which I want to say, come on. Are we not to be the people that celebrate any kind of move of God? Well, maybe it's not real. Who are you to say? (laughs) No, our response is to be obedient. Our response is not to become the great cynical sages. Our response is to be, childlike, faith-praying, believing disciples. That's what Jesus called us to do, and that's the movement that has changed the world. The movement that has changed the world is not the cynical intellectuals. The movement that has transformed the world, that today, today there are over a billion Christians in the world, is those that are desperate, childlike, believing, just like Jesus said. Looking for you to come to me like a little child and believe with faith. One of the things that's fun for me is in the last decade I've gotten to meet some of my spiritual heroes, and uh, you know guys that are really doing awesome things for the kingdom. And I think sometimes I automatically think that they're going to feel like you know the guys that have a PhD or this great. Leader, that they're going to come across like this dignitary for Jesus, you know? Like, one of the things I found is these guys that God has used in powerful ways, when you get around them, they have an innocent, childlike faith. And a core value of who we want to be as DSM is just we want to pull our hands out of our pockets and take risks week after week after week. I mean, what would happen? Imagine a culture here at DSM if when thousands of kids come this summer, if it's not what's happening on the stage that they go home and talk about. It's not, it's not the Desperation Band or John Mark McMillan or something like that. No, what if, it, what, if, what if there was a band of hundreds of teenagers within DSM that were so filled with the Holy Spirit that they looked for every opportunity, every broken kid, to a 16-year-old looking at a 16-year-old saying, can I pray for you and pray for them? And God works, and God heals. I mean, what would happen? Imagine. I'm telling you, if, if, if when we prayed here, if the stories began to go out that a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old prayed for me and God healed me, then the people who need miracles go, I'm desperate. I'm like blind Bartimaeus. I'm like, I'm like Jairus. I'm like one of the guys. I i I, I'm t- I need a move, I need God to touch me. So one of the core things that I want to encourage us to be is a family that takes these risks, even though it's not comfortable. And and sometimes it's awkward. Someone in Starbucks the other day say, Hey, will you pray for me? And then they talked about how, how they needed healing. And I was like, Sure, let's pray right here. And they were like, Oh, seriously? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I could pray for you in a quiet time, but let's just pray right here, right now. And and, and I want to encourage you just to take some of those risks and you go, oh, I don't want to be a freak. Too bad you already are. (laughs) You already are. That's what we are. That's that's. I know. Everybody's like, but I still want to develop the mix of, I want to be the cool guy and the radical Christian. Sorry. Sorry. Jesus said to be like him. And when he came, they crucified him. So the man that's your hero, the culture looked at him and said, let's kill him. So if you say, I really want to be cool and I really want to be a Christian and be like radical for Jesus and everybody thinks that I'm so awesome, you're hosed. You've got a, you've got a dichotomy. You've got a, you've got a bad philosophy. It won't work. If you would come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So you just got to settle it. You're strange. I'm strange. Stephen, strange. Glory to God. All right? So, please you stand your feet with me. And uh, Mel, if you and the team will come back up. I want to pr- take a few minutes to pray here. And um, I want you to take a risk tonight. All right? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm going to ask for two kinds of people to pray tonight. Um, one is the very normal... If you have any kind of physical need in your body, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up to be prayed for, all right? And and that could be not even your body, but someone that you know, just something you want to pray for, okay? But here's the other group. I want to invite, tonight we're going to have a prayer team, but the prayer team is not burn, it's not staff, it's not DLA, it's whoever so desires. It's tonight, it's you like, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to pray for people, I pull my hands out of my pocket. I'm gonna stop, you know, hanging out on the back row. Or I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go up there, and I'm gonna pray for whoever comes up and asks me to pray for them. And of course, you're trembling right now. You're scared to death. You're thinking, "No way, Jose Canseco, oh, that's crazy. I don't want to do that." But listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a risk, step out in faith, and be like, "Tonight, I'm the prayer team. Tonight, I'm gonna pray." All right? So. That's you, and you are the volunteer prayer team. If, if you're in one of those programs, you can still come up here, but <laughs> Stephen's like, can I go, Candice? No, Stefan, you're destined to stay at your seat. <clears throat> no, anybody can come, but I just, I don't want it to be, I want, I don't want it to be any, um, structures tonight, no lead teams, groups, nothing, just, we're all at the foot of the cross, and we're all broken people looking to Jesus, and touch us. So tonight, volunteer prayer team. If you want to be on the prayer team, I want you to just come up here, turn, and face DSM. All right? You're the volunteer prayer team. And you're going to take a risk, and you're going to pray for people tonight. If it gets so big that we go all the way around and start curving out, that's fine. Body, or there is someone that you know. If there is any physical healing that you want to pray for. I want to invite you to come forward as I pray. All right, so go ahead. Come on now. Come on forward. There you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we get to be your hands and feet today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in DSM. We are so grateful, and we I pray for a healing movement very core of who we are holy spirit use us fill us touch us empower us to be your hands to be your feet to people that need god i pray for a healing power in our midst even tonight i pray for miracles miracles to be told miracles coming from our mouths Miracles posted on Facebook, miracles told in emails, miracles told the parents, miracles told the friends tomorrow. Father, I pray for your glory, for your name, that you would come. Heal your people, O Lord. Heal your people, we pray. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.